Welcome to the QMC Board and Collar Keynote Presentation with QMC's Vice President of Business Development, Ed Marasco. We hope you find today's presentation helpful and informative when navigating the challenging waters affecting EMS organizations across the nation today. Ladies and gentlemen, Ed Marasco. Surprise Medical Bills and Balance Billing. There's been a great deal of talk about surprise medical bills and balance billing in the news over the last couple of years. But is this really the problem or might we be missing something? We'll examine causes behind this troubling trend and see if we can find a way forward for providers and patients alike in this final installment of a three-part series by QMC about the problems with surprise medical bills and balance billing. Early in 2019, the insurance lobby with support from patient advocacy groups and others were making great progress towards a legislative fix. However, late in 2019, finally, the provider and supplier side of the healthcare system responded with a compelling campaign of their own and the legislat legislative solution has been further complicated by these events. So let's talk a little bit about the current status of different treatments that have been considered for this difficult and challenging situation. With 2019 in the rearview mirror, 2020 arrived with a very complex political situation. While the folks in Washington were busy ramping up for a presidential election year and trying to address an, a number of long-term legislative initiatives, the COVID-19 pandemic arrived on the scene. And until the U.S. outbreak in March, there were several other distractions at the federal level. So you may recall there was lots of conversation about impeachment, which obviously has subsided at this point, but it did sort of cast a shadow over any chance for bipartisan, bipartisan efforts in 2020. There was a lot of discussion about overhaul of the 1989 Stark Law, which created some barriers to the evolution of an integrated health system and a lot of the developmental work that was going on around the healthcare system. There was also discussion about drug price legislation. In an election year, both parties seemed to be hanging their political hat on initiatives that would have a positive impact on a large percentage of our voters. The issue of drug pricing has become a lightning rod matter because of the individual economic impact on virtually every American. And then of course, there was discussion about the price transparency rule. The movement toward price transparency has, has significant support, but the matter is more complicated than envisioned by lawmakers. And we've actually seen a fair amount of that as well in some of the discussions going on at the Air Ambulance Patient Advisory Committee. And then of course, surprise medical billing. This legislation appeared to be a bipartisan slam dunk at one point in 2019, but now it really is in serious jeopardy of dying. As recently as the early part of February of 2020, the House Ways and Means Committee published its own version of the legislation following earlier releases by House Energy and Commerce and the Senate Health, Education, Labor, and Pensions Committee. Both the House and Senate have advanced legislation in this regard. Unfortunately, provider and supplier stakeholders initiated an awed assault on the legislation during the summer recess. So it's been very, very difficult to get anything moving with regard to uh, consensus on both sides of the aisle on the surprise medical billing and balance billing issue. Of course, then there was a crisis to address issues via the CARES Act, via the CARES Act. Funding and support, the CARES Act and related government programs were providing much 
some much needed support for healthcare providers and suppliers, including the medical transport community. The fact that legislators were willing to tie receipt of these funds to a commitment not to balance bill should provide some level of evidence that this issue is still very much alive. Neither party would risk the political fallout from holding up the CARES Act over an issue like this unless they believe the political upside was substantial. And then, of course, there was this matter of the attestations that were required. So providers and suppliers who are accepting the relief were required to make a commitment to give up their right to balance bill for any services related to COVID-19 for an unspecified period of time. Widespread acceptance of the funds, and of course, relinquishing the right to balance bill, is tantamount to testing a treatment for this disease. In a way, we are participating in a clinical trial of sorts without even appreciating it. So let's talk about how we find a treatment and a vaccine for this very difficult problem. These are unprecedented times, and one thing's for certain, healthcare delivery systems will never be the same as they were prior to the COVID-19 pandemic. However, the issue of surprise medical bills and balance billing remains an illness without a cure or a vaccine at the present time. There are several items unfolding that may lead us to both. Number one, cost analysis. Many of the rub points in the various solutions that have been presented revolve around the economic considerations for which the constituent groups um, are very, very uh, keen. Getting to a fair and equitable reimbursement will certainly be the key to eliminating the need for balanced bills and should drive providers and suppliers toward in-network status, which again, would resolve the issue of balanced bills. Understanding the cost of providing these valuable services is a critical component of developing a successful treatment. With the current cost data collection efforts by CMS on the ground, medical transport side of the business, a precedent is in place. That's worth noting that uh, the ground side cost reporting has been delayed a little bit given uh, everything we're experiencing with respect to COVID, but we fully expect that once things settle down, probably sometime next year, the cost reporting uh, process will move forward again with that first wave of folks being required to uh, submit their cost data. It's conceivable that some form of cost reporting and analysis might be an important aspect of the treatment moving forward, considering there's already an element of cost reporting in the CARES Act requirements. So my prediction, for what it's worth, is that one of the only ways forward to resolve this issue is for the air ambulance industry to also be subject to cost reporting. It's a complex matter. It'll require um, lots of discussion. And with any luck, with the ground side cost reporting project moving forward next year, we'll learn a few things and adapt a few things. And maybe uh, we can get both parties or all the parties on the air side to agree that this would be a great way to approach things. Now, there's also the Air Ambulance Patient and Billing Advisory Billing Committee. Um, the Air Ambulance Patient and Billing Advisory Committee, AAPB, activities were another casualty of COVID-19. In the original timeline for committee work, um, all the work was to be completed and a report was to be issued by July of 2020. Well, that, of course, that deadline came and went. Um, and uh, there's been little to no activity up until the last six weeks or so on this front mostly because of the government shutdown situation uh, around COVID-19. Prior to the hiatus, it was clear that this matter was very much at the forefront of the committee's deliberations, that is, 
surprise medical bills and balance billing. And with the fallout from the pandemic easing a little bit, the AAPB is once again pressing forward. Providers and suppliers should follow the work of the committee very carefully because the findings will most certainly include recommendations in this particular area. And I can tell you that um, the one particular subcommittee that I serve on has met now three times, all day meetings, with a fair amount of progress towards defining some of the key terms. Um, and our particular subcommittee is working on the notifications that would be required in and around medical transport, both uh, notifications to patients and family members from insurance providers and from healthcare suppliers and providers. And we've gotten a fair amount through uh, the questions that were placed before us and fully expect that um, those subcommittee findings and recommendations will be reported out to the full committee within the next four to six weeks. So um, stay tuned and please keep your ear to the rail with respect to what's happening with the AAPB. And then of course, there's the Airline Deregulation Act. Any treatment that's proposed for this particular disease will need to include some reconciliation of the ADA uh, and if it's going to apply to air medical transport in the long range moving forward. There's been an abundance of options considered to address the application of the ADA, including some discussion regarding separation of billing and reimbursement for aviation versus medical services. As you're probably aware, if you followed this issue at all, the ADA speaks specifically to the ability of anyone other than the federal government to um, influence rates, routes, and structures of, of air services. And so um, the rates part becomes a real issue. And so one surmise or one hypothesis was that we could possibly treat this disease by simply separating out the aviation cost and um, billing from the medical and all the other services cost and billing. And that would allow um, states to regulate the medical side of it, but of course, stay away from uh, regulating the aviation side. A fair amount of discussion on this topic. It seems at this point, there may not be consensus about the ability to truly segregate out those costs and use them as a means to segregate out the billing moving forward. So where does this leave us? Well, any effective treatment for surprise medical bills and balance billing will likely require both a treatment for the symptoms and a true attack on the underlying virus. And that's what we talk about when we talk about a vaccine. A short-term treat treatment will likely require reimbursement calculated as a percentage of cost. Longer term, the vaccine will require a kind of a new economic model for funding medical transportation services. And this particular um, economic model will have to have um, more, more appropriate reimbursement levels for, from both Medicare and Medicaid, which would certainly eliminate a fair amount of the need for cost shifting. It wouldn't completely eliminate it because you still have those folks who don't have the ability to pay. But if we could reduce the amount of cost shifting, and in particular, uh, if we could eliminate the need for cost shifting in order to make these programs viable, we would certainly go a long way towards re reducing the rub point on the commercial side, commercial payer side. And of course, improved reimbursement um, would go a long way towards uh, wanting, allowing providers and suppliers to want to be in network uh, and forego the ability to balance bill patients uh, after uh, out-of-network situations. So the long and short of it is, I think the symptoms are gonna be treated in the near term, but we really require a longer overhaul, a much longer term overhaul of the payment system for medical transport to really, really, truly eliminate the problem. 
As always, it's been a pleasure to talk with you about this important issue. Please keep tuned in to the various QMC outlets. We'll continue to provide information to our customers and our friends around the community so that you can stay on top of these very, very important issues that will likely import your, uh, impact your transport operation. Once again, thanks so much.